0: Greetings my friends and welcome to Minute with Mark. I'm just setting my timer for 27 minutes. We'll see how far we can get into this party and we will rock and roll. So a couple things. First off is just by way of life something that I thought was really fun a couple weeks ago where a bunch of friends and I and some old high school friends are in Arizona and we're watching playoff football and one of my buddies texts me and says, so hey, you're at uh, you're at Zips in Gilbert, question mark? And I'm like, well, yeah, how'd you know? So my buddy's a lawyer out in Minneapolis, and he has this thing. And this is just something, as soon as I heard it, you know how sometimes you hear people do things and you're like, holy crap, that's a great idea. I love that idea. Well, anyway, my buddy in Minneapolis has this reputation, which I didn't know about, that when a couple of his friends are together, you know, kind of on a vacation or they're hitting, they're meeting up in Denver or they're doing this or that or whatever, if he catches wind of it, he actually calls the bar and gives him a credit card over the phone and the waitress brings a table full of fireball shots or Chuckies. He his he prefers Chuckies. I don't know why. It's like a Kool-Aid meets Chuck Norris is the you know the formal name. Chuckies is the other one, but anyway. So my buddy uh, calls, unbeknownst to me, and he actually texts my little Rushy, who's uh, eight, their buddies, and uh, finds out where we're at. Why where uh, we're at, and then he calls to deliver the shots. And he does this for friends all over the place. And it's just think of how cheap it is. It's a twenty thirty dollar gift that just permanently endears me. It endeared me even more than I was already endeared. And he does this all the time with his buddy. So food for thought, um, it's kind of a clever, fun gift giving idea that I'm always thinking like, how can I, how can I make relationships better than they are? How can I give gifts? Gift giving is a skill. And so anyway, food for thought on that. That's a little interesting. Um, and other news, um, talking to a handful of pretty loyal podcast listeners, asking them what they want to hear me share more of, expound more of, talk on stuff that I've never talked on before, go a little deeper into something. And a recurring thing over and over is for me to detail out how to get a better night's sleep and some rituals for bedtime, like in evening rituals. Morning rituals get all the glory. But if you think about it, our evening rituals really set the tone. They really set the tone for the morning, and so it's kind of um, interconnected in an in an in an. You can't disconnect the evening ritual and experience from the morning ritual. And for instance, you go out and you you know we party heavy, and you wake up with a head with a headache and a little hungover. It's going to affect your morning ritual. It's going to affect your psychology, your spirituality, your game, your health. It's going to affect a lot of things. So anyway, they wanted. I've got a few people that have asked me to go more into the evening ritual, which is not going to be the purpose of this podcast. But there's a super principle that I want to throw out there. And if you're taking notes or just you know throw this in your Evernote or whatever, that might be worth it. There's a super principle principle that I share a lot and the idea of a super principle is that it's something that works almost in all circumstances, almost at all time and it's a grid that you can put on top of a subject or on top of a problem and it's a platform and a guide to lead you to answers and solutions quicker. So this is, this is a, a super principle concept of asking yourself if you want, like let's say in particular you want a better night's sleep. So the super principle is you ask yourself, what would make it inevitable that my sleep ha- – what would make it inevitable that I sleep awesome all the time or v- close or you know whatever makes you feel comfortable? Because even, even if I were to, to affirm or say or write down what would make it inevitable for me to sleep well all the time, I, that would actually give me stress because the term all the time is unrealistic because there's just going to be times where you have a, have a touchy night of sleep. And you got to balance, you know, your dreams with reality here on this earth. But the super principle is what would make it inevitable for me to become a, a common, be well-rested, and even look forward to a thrilling bedtime. Sauce it up in whatever language moves, moves you. But not to spend too much time on this this podcast, but... I'll go into it. So, if I were to ask myself, and I'm asking you, what would make it inevitable that you sleep well tonight? What would make it inevitable? Okay. Um, just I jotted down a couple of things right before I hit record. I think there's there's at least four quadrants to think about um, that would make it inevitable to have a better night's sleep. And if you avoid one quadrant, and you can use these quadrants. Quadrants. If I say quadrants again, reach across your phone and slap me. I'm done using that term. But you look at biological. And so some people would say, well, definitely don't have caffeine after four, um, you know, and just focus on biological. Well, then you're going to miss the environmental components. For instance, if you had a room that was immaculate and it was just – it was your standard that you always kept your your master bedroom immaculate. Under your bed, there was no trace of anything. You had pleasing – candles and maybe some crystals and maybe some flowers and maybe some plants. And you had a pleasing bedside imagery to look at as you faded into sleep with a nice lamp that's not, you know, too far away, that's easily accessible that you, so there's biological, and if you avoided the environmental aspect of it, um, you'd really miss Miss the the juice, miss the sweet spot. And then there's also psychological. For instance, what would make it inevitable for you to have a better sleep tonight? Now, just imagine that you really, you know, gave it your best today. Doesn't mean that you were up at 6 and you worked till 10 and you never wasted a single minute on anything not productive. Uh, That that kind of type A um, grooming leads to insanity, high stress levels um, weirdness and all sorts of things. But, you know, psychologically, just imagine that you had, you know, seven or so things that you answered at the start of the day. That was what will I feel amazing about completing today? Let's just say you started psychologically, which is a great hack. I've talked about it in the past, but what would, what would make me feel amazing when it's completed today? And you knocked off all seven of those things. Now you have self generated a predictive, Um, situation that you will feel amazing when you check those things off so psychologically if you came to the end of the day and all seven of those were checked off and another psychological principle is you could write who's waiting on me like who's waiting to hear back from me and you made a list today I just made a list there's about 10 individuals with and groups that are waiting on me for specific information for specific answers for specific decisions and today part of my Questing has been to knock those communications out because I do sleep pretty. Um, I sleep fabulous. I mean, I wake up. I feel pretty amazing. Pretty sustainable energy. And you know, people, my inner circle of friends like to know like some of the secrets. But one of them is trying to get rid of any psychological debt you have on procrastinating on people in particular. Never mind your projects. That's a different thing. But if you went to bed psychologically, you've got tomorrow mapped out. So what, what I'm saying is when you say, what would make it inevitable that I have a great night's sleep tonight? If you just took it biologically and said, well, get some exercise outside for 30 minutes, do cardio you know, before 4 o'clock, have some lavender tea, do a hot bath, have an ice pack on your head during the hot bath or you'll overheat and then have an extra one to just put on your chest or on your knee or on your neck – um, the kind of hot and cold yin yang really creates something special there. Have one fan blowing on you, or again, you'll overheat. The reason people don't do baths is uh, Isaac sees me do baths all the time. So the, this is about a month ago. Isaac, I'm just gonna publicly humiliate you or whatever. But I walk in to my bathroom, and unbeknownst to me, my Isaac, 13 years old, standing up, you know, completely in his birthday outfit, and just standing over the hot tub, or not the hot tub, but over the bathtub. And I'm like, Isaac, what are you doing? He's like, I just get so hot doing this stuff. And I realized he's seen the the pleasures of me having these baths, but he didn't know that if you don't have the fan and you don't have the cold pack on your head and you don't have an extra cold back to place around, you'll actually overheat and the bath becomes pointless and a waste of hot water, essentially. So, Okay, are you getting any value? Are we going anywhere? I got one more. So we got biological awareness. There's some tricks I just mentioned for biological stuff that will help make it inevitable for a good night's sleep. There's environmental things and in, in how you set up your environment, soft lights. Um, I just read today in men's health that 60 minutes of listening to music that you enjoy soothing music that you enjoy that was the only prerequisite it wasn't x beats per minute it wasn't this or that they claimed that in an oxford study on sleep that it was the equivalent of a 60-minute massage now i don't know what metrics they're looking at obviously it's not a it's not a totally biological equivalent to a 60-minute massage but maybe it's a psychological equivalent To a sixty-minute massage, Um, and I've also heard that sixty minutes of massage is the equivalent to eight hours of rest. I don't know if that's been validated or what metrics go into that kind of thing. One other little trick is, a business person and as a as just a person who um, you want you know if you aspire to be a a little more sophisticated, I I attempt to be you know a little bit of sophisticated without being a goon, but. Anytime you hear a number, it, there you pr- any any number at all. Someone says, "Well, we did two million dollars last month." Okay, every number requires at least three to five more numbers to have any context and meaning around that one number. Okay, for instance, like um, a certain company I'll leave unnamed does five hundred million a month; they incur seven hundred million in debt per month. Now, those are nice things to know, but that doesn't tell the whole story because 30% of their income is on a diminishing government program that's expiring in the next three months. More on that, the continuity. So there's there's four to five numbers. And so whenever you're talking business or you're ever talking shop, ask yourself, what are more numbers? What's more context so I can actually get a clear frame and look at not just from the top down on this idea, not just from one side, but how can I look at it simultaneously from the top, from the bottom, from the sides, and even from within? And I think the more you'll do that, the less gullible we become, the wiser we become. And as you, it's a super principle, too, to approach any problem, any challenge in your life from a multitude of disciplines. And so in this one, we're looking at psychological, with sleep, we're looking at psychological discipline, environmental discipline, relational, and then the last one on the fourth quadrant, there you go, slap me, I said it, on what would make it inevitable for you to go to bed. If you do have a bedmate, a spouse or husband or wife or whatever, the, basically, if you lift that time and move it from just kind of utilitarian, well, the body needs to sleep, let's all just, plow into bed and whatever, and you kind of lift it into a sanctuary time, or you lift it and put some sanctity around it and lift, lift that moment to be something precious, which we do. Um, there's a psalm that says God gives his beloved rest, like it's a promise in the scripture and it's something, it's a promise I believe, and it's helped form my belief that um, God indeed wishes me personally. And, and gifts me with sleep. And it's something for me to receive and act on and believe on and things like that. But anyway, relationally, rolling into it with kind of some, some borders and some, some rights and some rules, not rules is a strong word, but some, some foundational stuff to ease into bed better. For instance, I've talked about this a lot, but I would say the number one thing is that maybe an hour before bed or whatever, um, a lot of times we'll read to each other back and forth. Shani and I, mainly she reads to me. Or the kids all pile in and we all just read a couple stories. But the the biggie is about 60 minutes, once we get into that bed position, that no stressors are allowed. Nothing about tomorrow's grind. Nothing about family dramas. Well, did you hear that... uh, that Jill and, you know, Bobby are getting a divorce after, you know, none of that shit, nothing even close, nothing about a doctor's appointment the next morning, nothing about a dentist appointment, nothing about the time and the place of anything that is a possible stressor. It's just not the area. It's not the time. Ecclesiastes says there's a time and a place for everything and a time and a purpose for every season. And I think that pre-bedtime, you know, ritual is not. It's not a planning time. It's not a time to dump stress. It's not a time to create stress in our house. Another environmental thing to add on there is really clean sheets. Like every week, we have our we have cleaners and maids come in and they um, go through the entire house, and so that you know that does help the cause if you can afford that. And if you can't afford it professionally, there might be like uh, for I, we used to have. 13 14 year old kids from the neighborhood come over and we when we were just starting to make money and didn't actually have money and there wasn't a lot of like cleaning services we'd have young kids come over and clean our cars and clean our house and do the whole thing and it was funny cuz the moms would always say we can't get we can't get Brody to clean his room for anything but he comes over and he cleans your whole house and works like a beaver for 2 hours I don't understand it and his car is a mess but he has your car spick and span what's going on And I just said, it's incentives. You got to give the kid a dollar, give them, you know, position it. Well, anyway, um, clean bed sheets are really huge. And maybe it's a new pillow. Again, that would be a biological kind of scenario. Have we beat the evening ritual bedtime concept? Have we beat the drum hard enough? So instead of playing on the one string of, you know, don't have caffeine before four, don't work out before four o'clock, like that, multidisciplinary approaches to problems, um, I have found, is one of the greatest uh, hacks we can do, and it's just a super principle to apply out to any problems we have. All right, so on to our other subject, and we'll wrap up this party, is I just did a live event in at the Venetian in Vegas um, last week, so less than a week ago. And I started off the conference, there's about 90, 80, 80-ish people there are so, Everyone in the room had bought a product of at least two to $5,000. I think the cheapest you could be in the room for was $400 a month on a payment plan. So it's a good room. It's not like, you know, hey, drag your undesired friend and family member to listen to this random online guy. So it was a, it was a good group of, it was a buyer's crowd. It was a, you know, they've been around the information. They've been around the culture. So it's a really great room. One of the concepts I shared right out of the gate, Was that in order to make more money than you ever imagined, you have to place money and understand that money is a value, but it's not at the top of the pyramid. I've talked about this a little bit in the past too, but um, I opened up saying that there are dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of other modalities, of other values that people value far greater than money. And when you understand in your marketing and in your product deliverable how to position those other values in their rightful, basically it's recognizing that money is just one very important value. We're, we're financial creatures, you're not going to be able to escape being a financial creature any more than you're going to be able to escape being a sexual creature any more than you're going to be able to escape being a political creature. Now someone might pop up and say, no, I'm apolitical. Well, you don't get to escape the reality of politics. Politics just means the police, the, the, a, cr- a group of people, and the rules by which they live by. It's a social contract. No matter where we live, we're inside of somebody's social contract. So we're political. We also are have a sense and the ability to ration. You're not going to be able to escape your rational mind at some point, the ability to ration. so anyway, there's a lot of things that we are. Um, so you can't escape money. So people will say, well, I don't care about money. I mean, you can just, I mean, be smart and realize that that person unwittingly or knowingly is just missing the truth a little bit on who they are and how they work because money's an unavoidable subject. Well, anyway, um, what I was saying, if you want to make a lot more money, you got to put money off. You got to knock it off the top of the pyramid. And in your marketing and in your product creation, you have to realize that if you do keep money at the top, if that's true, because we tend to, through our ego, create a set of values, and then we project that the rest of the world has those same type of values. So let's pretend you do have at the very top of the value pyramid, and family's on there, and health is on there, and and uh, good times are on there, and parties are on there, and education's on there, and God might be on there, and there's all sorts of values. But if you put, if we put money on the top of the pyramid, just just think of the conclusion and the effect of that. Is if we project that on everyone, and money's at the top, and we're selling a product, why would anybody ever trade and and go for less of their top value? Because if they have to buy something they have to part with their top value. Okay? Now follow that. And so maybe someone could say, well, what about investments? They're paying that money to get more money and so it can stay on the top. There might be a little bit of wiggle room and margin to discuss this concept. But think about, if money's at the very top, you're going to have a heck of a time receiving guilt-free tons of money from other people because you're going to assume that money's at the top of their pyramid. Now... So the, the room kind of started believing me and I, I, I shared on it for a while. I took some questions, this and that and the other. But then I pulled a little impromptu sneak sneak attack. And later in the day, one of our attendees said that she was getting $2,000 a month to manage somebody's Facebook campaign and for another business. And the business was willing to pay her $5,000 a month, but she wasn't really sure she wanted to take on the additional responsibility and her time was pretty much tapped and this and that and the other thing. And so I said, well, you know, why don't you pay $800 a month out of that to somebody who doesn't know Facebook ads quite as well as you do, but they can create the ad, get everything ready for submission, which is the really the heavy work of Creating ads on Facebook, and then you just pop in and take a look, and sprinkle some magic pixie dust on it, approve it, or tweak it a little bit, and say, "Go ahead, submit, and get back to me in three days with the details." So we did a little thing, and that that seemed to make sense, right? Because why not? That's how you scale businesses. You hire in some of the difference or whatever. So she's going from two two k to five k a month with one client. This is a six figure earner online. It's a cool story. Anyway. Um, randomly met her at a, at a bar at one of my events, had a glass of wine and, you know, it's an amazing story ever since for her, but I'll leave her nameless. Anyway, so I said, well, how about the 5,000 and, you know, you pay somebody eight. So now what I started to do to the audience, but they didn't, you know, the the group wasn't aware I was doing this is I said, okay, so $800 a month. Um, anybody want to do that? Like she'll pay you $800 a month to manage this Facebook campaign. And one hand out of about 80 went up, and everyone else was just crickets, totally crickets. So I look at that, and I go, hmm, okay, I'm going to play a little show-and-tell. So I said, who in here would be interested? And then I said, is that 5000 include the ad spend, or is ad spend on top of the $5,000? i am going to mix the numbers a little bit because I don't recall with perfection what all the exact numbers. But she said, no. The actual ad spend is above five thousand, so it's five thousand a month plus the ad spend to manage the account. So maybe it's a thousand bucks. So then I say, who in here? So at that point, now just getting paid eight hundred dollars a month to be a kind of employee for her got one hand in the room. Okay. Now this is a very powerful principle that if you know, if you listen, if I, if I are, it's not if you listen, it's if I share it correctly. It's. It'll have some profound impact, I think. So I said, well, who in here would be interested? And we, we figured out that maybe it's $1,000 of ad spend a month that she would get to play with for you know $1,000 of hard marketing money to play with on behalf of her client and get paid $5,000 a month. I said, who in here would be interested in getting a free $1,000 per month in real time, actual marketing, and you've had to at least play some Facebook ads and know how to do an opt-in and know how to do some follow-ups. You've already had to be a little qualified. So I actually made the qualification for the job harder. But I said, you got to at least kind of know what's going on a little bit. Who would like $1,000 of free real-time marketing per month plus having a six-figure earner working hand-in-hand with you mentoring for you to gain experience and get insight from somebody who's a little further down the road with you plus above her have a multimillionaire that you're kind of working hand-in-hand with so not only do you get the free thousand dollars of practice money so you can expedite your understanding of real-world Facebook marketing but also she'll throw in eight hundred dollars paid per month which can help you escape your job quicker And with the stuff you learn there, you'll be able to apply to your own business. So what I did was I hit values of experience. I hit a value on the pyramid of... So money, remember when I put money, $800 a month, at the top of the pyramid, one hand went up. And it was trepid. It was a timid hand. Then I positioned experience as a value. I positioned mentoring as a value. I positioned their future as a value, saying, "Hey, you know, you work, you do this twelve months, you get at least twelve thousand dollars of real world spending, advertising experience, and it's not even on your own. Plus, you do well, you might be able to do your own agency and then, and then replicate the thing for other clients as well, and bring in underlings, and you could scale a ten to twenty, 000, thirty thousand dollar advertising agency out of the thing. So I put future in the vision. I put future money. I put experience. I put Um, Working side by side, I put practice. I put a shit ton of values above money. And there were so many hands in the room, I didn't even count. Over 10. Exact same thing. Exact same offer. Presented with different values leading the way. So as an affiliate, as an entrepreneur, as a leader, as a whatever it is you're doing, there's a tendency... For us to place our top value in what's on our mind as the lead value in other people's lives, when we actually don't understand that. Now imagine I could and I didn't even that was in a minute. I did barely even sold it. If I was going to make that a pitch, that hey, I have an apprentice program. It's actually a paid one. You get to manage a thousand dollars. Here's of ad spend a month. We pay eight hundred dollars. It's you know. By the way, I don't mind if you have an underling that's past these, these uh, qualifications that you can be over that underling and pay them $500. And so you're getting $300 for mentoring and all this stuff. I didn't even go down the deeper value, bigger picture, more future, ultimate gain value. I just touched on a few of them and the response was minimum 10x. And it was in front of everybody's eyes. So I said, now look around the room right now. And notice when I said $800 a month, one hand. When I positioned it with other values at the top of the pyramid and I threw in money and framed it more around the future and how it could hack their time to learn so that they could grow their own business and get them free faster. Freedom is a huge value. Here ends the readings. 27 minutes, Mark Overson. I'm out of here. Hopefully there was some value in that. Love you guys.